0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the way.
1: Hey, welcome Heights family. Thank you for being with us here. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about our preschool ministry here at the Heights and Brandy uh, Petrov is our preschool director and Brandy, tell us a little bit why you're excited about our preschool ministry.
2: Okay, well, our preschool ministry is full of fun and learning. Our preschoolers come in every week, and they have a great time learning memory verses, Mm -hmm. learning Bible stories, learning uh, different kinds of worship songs. And parents often Mm -hmm. tell me about how they get so much enjoyment of hearing their preschoolers recite the verses Mm. and singing the songs at home. And not only at home, but when they're out in public too, like at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting to me Mm. because preschoolers do it naturally they're sharing jesus out in the world naturally where that's kind of complicated when it comes to adults
1: yeah it is i remember when my kids were in preschool ministry they loved it and it was such yeah. a fun time for them they bring home their memory verse for today and talk mm-hmm. about it it's super excited for us as family to see that and enjoy that with them so brady some people may not know about what exactly happens on wednesday nights uh-huh. and uh, sunday mornings here in our preschool ministry why don't you share a little bit about that
2: sure So Sundays and Wednesdays are packed full. Like We have a very busy schedule on Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, Our preschoolers start off in the classroom. They learn a little bit of a biblical-based lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, They do some crafts and activities, and they move on to puppet theater, where they Mm -hmm. hear the Bible story acted out by puppets. Uh, Kids
1: love that, too. They do. They they talk about it all
2: the time. Um, So they hear the puppets. They also Mm -hmm. practice their memory verse. Uh, they yeah. do some worship songs, and they sing worship songs that they're singing at home oh, and out in public, right? Absolutely. And preschoolers have to have a little bit of downtime, right? So they got to get the wiggles out. Uh, they spend a little bit of time in one of our mm-hmm. three playrooms and on the playground as well.
1: Yeah, it's great in the hallway on Sunday yes. morning, seeing the kids out here in their cars, driving around and stuff. Yes. So it's so cool to see that. Yes. Yes.
2: Now, yes. something that we do on Wednesdays that we don't incorporate on Sundays is service mm-hmm. projects. So once a month, our preschoolers actually get to work on oh, service yeah. projects, So such as... Uh, filling goodie bags for mm-hmm. uh, food pantry volunteers. Um, they also, in, they really enjoy this. They yeah. enjoy putting together snack baskets for first responders. And then we also make busy bags for the pa- pediatric board at local hospitals.
1: Busy bags. I love the name. Yes. That's great. Busy bags. So Brandy, why do you think our preschool ministry is so important to uh, our church and our community?
2: So our preschool ministry is important because we are starting at such an early mm-hmm. age. Absolutely, right? yeah. Uh, infants and preschoolers learn at a faster rate and they learn more in the first few years of life than they do at any other time in their lives. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think, you learned a lot of basic stuff in the beginning of life, right? Absolutely. Eves, Foundational things, yeah. Yeah, all that good stuff, right? So, it's building the foundation of Jesus in the
1: hearts of preschoolers. Mm-hmm. Well, Brandi, uh, I need, need a lot of volunteers to make that happen week in, yes. week out with it. So, what does it? The- take to make like a Wednesday or Sunday morning happen in our preschool ministry? So
2: Sunday mornings, um, you know, like I said earlier, they're very busy. Mm-hmm. It takes about 75 volunteers 75. to make a Sunday morning wow. work. Yes, we have 10 classrooms and puppet theater open mm-hmm. and lots of things to do. And so all the volunteers we could get would be so super helpful. Oh.
1: Well, Brenda, I hope we'll get some volunteers uh, in this video a little bit, telling mm-hmm. about our ministry a little bit. So, Brayna, if I wanted to get involved in our preschool ministry, what are some mm-hmm. things that I need to do or Do I need to contact? How does that process work? How do I get involved in our preschool ministry? So
2: you're in luck. Today there is a table set up out in the concourse with some team members there that Mm -hmm. can answer any questions that you have about Tiny Town, and we can get you signed up today. Um, If you're not available to head out to that table today, you can always stop by the Tiny Town Mm -hmm. desk, speak to a team member there. Once we get some information from you and find out where you're feeling led to serve, then we can get in touch with you and get you scheduled to attend our orientation. That's coming up on October 22nd.
1: Wow. So okay. Well, hey, I hope you guys are excited by our preschool ministry mm-hmm. like we are. It's such an important ministry in our church. And, it, you know, everyone plays a part. So we hope that God leads you to play a part in our preschool ministry here at the
0: Heights. Kinda of clap, not sure to clap. I get it. I, I understand. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. Let me speak to that real quickly. You know, we, uh, you know, in all of America, we're we're trying to move past and beyond 2020, and there's still places in life that are affected by 2020. You know, one place in our church is volunteers. That that's one place we're still recovering from, I, I would say, from what we went through in 2020, and that would be volunteers uh, across the board, everywhere from serving in the parking lot to teaching to helping in tiny town, to uh, greeting to all of the various things that people can do here. You know, we we have the ability to make things happen here at the Heights, and and so you come sit here on Sunday morning, look around, say, well, everything looks like it's cared for. They must not need anybody. Wrong. (laughs) We need somebody. We need lots and lots and lots of somebody's uh, every single Sunday uh, in all of the various areas of ministry. And boy, just coming out of 2020, I would really say hey, we need our church to think afresh about where and how am I serving to make the body of Christ effective and faithful and do the work that God called this church to do. And again, that can be in any area. hope you're thinking about where you're serving. The area we are highlighting today, of course, as you just saw, was Tiny Town. And there's two kinds of volunteers in Tiny Town. One volunteer, kind of, everybody in the church can do this. And if you're a parent of preschoolers, you're expected to do this. That's a Rough sentence, isn't it? we do not told in America anymore you're expected to do something. But, uh, and that is to basically go back there and serve periodically to help care for children. You get in a room and you think, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do in here. They're, you're crowd control, trust me. Uh, there's somebody in the room that is not crowd control, that knows what's going on in that room and, and how to take care of it. So that kind of volunteer, when we have the volunteers we need... Uh, you would be serving one hour every three months that 's a pretty good gig isn 't it? One hour every three months you would you would go back there and serve the other kind of volunteer is somebody that is doing more than crowd control they 're actually back there every single week you 're looking for a ministry a, a a way to be involved and invest your life. Uh, and you're maybe thinking of something like Tiny Town. You might remember a couple of months ago. I think it was we showed a video of uh, I think it was half a dozen of our young people between the age of 19 and 25 that were in full time ministry, preparing for full time ministry, or on the mission field. Six people from the age of 19 to 25. Now, folks, think about the national conversation of what's going on in the church with 19 to 25-year-olds. And, and we have a half a dozen that are going into ministry and, and serving full-time. I say that to say this. When you go back there and get involved with Tiny Town, with our children's ministry, our youth ministry, you're joining a winner you're, you're joining something that is making a big difference in the lives of young people, uh, and, and it's gonna be a good investment uh, of your time. So, we're asking you today to, to think about Tiny Town. Uh, we always need, uh, you know, it's, it, we, we always joke, Mike makes this joke, uh, you know, how do you get up here and create a crisis without scaring all the parents who have kids in there right at this very moment? Uh, like I said, we've got what we need covered. What we would like is volunteers to not have to necessarily serve every week, but that one hour ev- every three months. And so uh, they're being cared for. But we just need we need a new influx of volunteers and people serving. There's people that have faithfully served in Tiny Town for decades and uh, and they're not trapped we didn't lock them in there uh they have served back there for decades and we need some new people to rise up and say hey i don't know if it's going to be for decades but i'd like to be involved in what god is doing in the young people uh here at the heights so i encourage you to be uh to be thinking about this this is of special interest of me today because when my daughter Amy and her son Danny come here next, uh, they'll be bringing my brand new grandson with them. And so I need to know when he goes to Tiny Town, he's well cared for. Uh, our, our daughter Amy had their first, our fourth grandchild, uh, Max. Max, that's a, that's a strong name, isn't it? It needs to be a lot of name because he, he came out at nine pounds and one ounce. So, yeah, you got to have a name that goes with all that. And uh, so he. we're, we're real excited to, to get to meet Max here soon and have him here at the Heights under your care. Hey, okay, now a rough segue out of fun and exciting news. We want to continue today to, to pray for Israel and all that is going on there. You know, we came here last week. We gathered. We knew what had happened, and, and we prayed. Uh, but as the week unfolded... Uh, Boy, we really just learned some very specific details. War is bad, and and bad things happen in war, and innocent people, children die in war. I think we all kind of knew that, right? We know that's what happens in those kinds of situations. But as this week unfolded, we we just saw a level of evil and and wickedness. I think that was even beyond our imagination. Even though we kind of knew that's what happened, this seemed... Way way over the line. I I trust a big prayer of mine this week uh, has been that God would give favor to Israel throughout the world. And I really believe that was an answered prayer when I see the the nations of the world for the moment uh, supporting uh, Israel. You know, folks, when we pray for Israel, when we say we support Israel, I do that because God told me to. And that's not a statement that... Everything they've done in history or everything they are politically is perfect. No, that, that's not true. Any more than it's true that in America our history and our politics are perfect. They're not. Uh, th- those those are people. Not everything they do is right and good. But Israel is a centerpiece of God's plan. And Satan, it's not people, it's Satan that wants, Satan, that, that wants Israel destroyed, that wants Israel off the map. You know, I was reading in Psalm 83 this week. It's just where my, my Bible reading took me, and the psalmist was praying, Lord, our enemies want Israel to cease to exist. And here we are 3,000 years later, and that is the exact same thing. It's not about the people. It's what Satan is doing to try to to confuse, to frustrate God's plan. And he won't win. We already know that. But when we pray for Israel, we're praying for God's peace. We're praying for what God is doing in the world. We may not always understand why, and what, and how all that works. But I trust Him. I trust Him. I have no reason not to trust Him. So we do. I believe to pray for the peace of Israel is, in fact, to pray for the peace of Palestine. To pray for the peace of Russia. To pay, pray for the peace of Ukraine. To pray for peace in our lives. And one day, the Prince of Peace will, in fact, reign in Jerusalem. And, and until then, we'll have prayer requests until that day. And that day, all prayers answered forever. So that's what we're praying for when, when we pray for Israel. Let's, let's do that now, okay? Father, we come before you in this moment, and as I just said, Lord, we've seen things, heard things this week, the actions of, of particularly Hamas, and... Uh, Lord, I, I just pray you would restrain that. I, I pray you would restrain wickedness and evil. Uh, I, I pray that it would be stopped, frustrate and confuse their plans. May their communications break down. Um, Lord, they have a tendency to use innocents, to use civilians as shields. Lord, I would pray for the least loss of life. Uh, as I pray that Lord, it, that doesn 't seem possible right now. It seems like there 's still going to be great loss of of life and and father're we're, we 're we're just saying help, help here I, I, I pray that you would protect. I pray that you would provide it, this seems like it 's going to be longer than shorter, but i I pray that there there could be peace. I pray there could be a cessation of of hostilities. Uh, with a continued peace that will come beyond that. Lord, everything I'm praying is not in the mind of humans. We don't know the answer of how to bring that about. We, we ask uh, that, that you help here. Lord, we, I continue to pray that uh, you would give favor over the land of Israel uh, through the nations of the world. And Lord, I think we all know that as this continues, we grow impatient and we get frustrated and we want want things over, I, I, again, Lord, I pray that you would provide and tech, protect. I pray that you would bring peace. I pray that you would bind the, the innocent loss of life. And we ask for your help in all this, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And continue to pray. Hey, I want to thank Shea, uh for filling in for me last week. I thought he did an excellent job in Genesis 37. You did too. I, uh, I I watched online. I had a uh, a, a dental surgery uh, this past week. I, by the way, when I say dental, I'm I'm, a, I'm just being honest. I'm a little arrogant about my dental hygiene because I have a really a very involved process of caring for my teeth. So I say a dental. You think I don't care for my teeth, and that just d- just undoes me inside. So um, I, I I it's not because I can't brush my teeth. I uh, I I grind my teeth. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I clench, and he said, "You sound stressed out." I'm praying for y'all. <laughs> so what you, look what you've done to me! And uh, actually, I've I've grinded my teeth for my, I think pretty much my whole life. And you can you can grind them down to nubs. That's not my problem. But I'm I'm like losing bone density in what's above it, and so they had to cut to get into the bone above. They explained it was so bad. You know, it took me a year to make the appointment. I waited till it was—I waited till the approval was just about to run out because it just sounded so unappealing to go in and have this done. And so, you know, I made the appointment. I I go in to do it, and you know, they give you all the post-op instructions beforehand because afterwards you're not listening. And so they tell, so they say, when you come back in two weeks, which will be this Wednesday, when you come back in two weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule the second appointment. And I'm like, I mean, I just like got butterflies. I'm like, what's the second appointment for? They said, well, we can only do one half. We can only do one side because if we did both sides, you wouldn't be able to eat for two weeks. And I'm not, I'm right up on two weeks and I'm still just chewing on one side. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, see so me when I'm all the way through this, I'm halfway done. And it was just very, it was very painful. It was very not painful mentally and emotionally. I'm. you know, I think i have probably given I think I've probably broken some HIPAA laws right now against myself. I probably shouldn't have <laughs> told you all this, but I have still got to have, have an, another one done, but all, so I got a lot of incisions in my mouth and sutures. And so it wasn't because of necessarily pain. I kept that pretty well managed last week, but I can't talk uh, because that moves the incisions and they want it to heal before the sutures dissolve. And I don't know if y'all have noticed, but when I preach, I really tend to do a lot of talking. And so... Hence, Shay filled in for me last week and did a phenomenal job. And uh, we're not going to be looking at Genesis today. I know, right? I've loved walking through Genesis. If you're new to our church... We have been in Genesis since the Sunday after Easter, and uh, when we come back next week, four more. We're down, can you believe that? We're down to four messages in Genesis. We're going to finish the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and and the way Genesis wraps up, boy, it just steps us right into a thankful spirit. That last lesson teaches us how are you thankful and how do you forgive? Cuz you know what, when it's when you've got a lot of pain in this world that needs to be forgiven, it's hard to be thankful. Thanksgiving and forgiveness actually go hand in hand. We'll be looking at that the last week. But today we're we're taking a short one week break from that and we're talking about helping the poor. And in just a minute I'll explain why today are we talking about that? But uh, before I start talking about that, let's God break in and do a little bit of speaking. Look up here on the screen and let's hear God talk about helping the poor. Deuteronomy 15, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hands. Open wide your hands to your brother, to the needy and the poor. In your land. Psalm 41 Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Proverbs 14 Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. You insult God. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 19 I find this one of the more awkward, kind of confusing verses in the Bible because the Bible is so clear. It's the nature of God, he does not owe. He's never behind. Uh, He's never obligated. He's he's free from that. And yet, look how God presents this this one verse in the Bible. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. When you you care for, when you give to the poor, you're actually lending God something there. And look what he says. I repay 100% of the time. You can count on it. I repay. Uh Galatians 2, they, that's the apostles, asked us, that's uh, Paul and his team, they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. First John chapter three. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, brother there in this context is particularly somebody inside the Christian faith, somebody inside the church family. Not all helping of poor has to be inside the church family. This verse is particularly saying, hey, especially when it's inside the, the family here, if you if you see a brother in need and yet close your heart against him, how does God's love? How does God's love abide in that? Where's God's love in that? And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 said, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So there are seven verses there. One, two, three, five, six. Seven verses that I put up on the screen from the, if you kind of look there, that's from the beginning, the middle, and the end of the Bible, and I could very quickly put up another seven, and after that, another seven, and would you believe then we still wouldn't be done, there's seven more, and and beyond that. This is very, very much throughout Scripture, the heart of God. It's very much to be the heart of the Judeo-Christian faith. You know, it's interesting the way Jesus attached helping the poor to following him. You you know, that's kind of unique. If if you're following me, you're going to help the poor. Now, you you stop and think about it. When we follow Christ, you know, today I begin following Jesus. Well, a lot, that's going to mean, that's not going to mean one or two things. That's going to be a lot of things. Man, there's going to be things I'm going to stop doing in life. There's going to be things I start doing in life. There's going to become changes inside of me, changes outside of me. There's a lot of things it means to follow Christ. But there's two things that Jesus uniquely attaches. If you're following me, one is, the other one of the two is, come follow me and I will make you... Fishers of men, if you follow me, we're going to go get other people to follow me. That is that is uniquely attached to following Christ. And then that other one is helping the poor. I mean, when you look at it that way, folks, the way it's attached means lots of things, but he actually attaches it. I, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, hey, if helping, if, if I'm not helping the poor, why is it I believe I'm a Christ follower? Why is it I believe... That I'm, I'm following him. Now I asked ask that tough question. Uh, you know as, as I look back over the course of my, my Christian life. Which is most of my life. I would describe my helping of the poor. Probably the two words I would use would be minimal and sporadic. I, I didn't want it to be minimal and sporadic. I'm just, just being honest. It, you know I did something because you know God said to. But what I did usually was kind of minimal, and it was just here and there. There's no rhyme or reason, no plan, no design, no discipline to it. It was just, you know, you do, you do something here and there. Oh, it's Christmas. We're supposed to do this. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, it's it's this. You know, I'm, I'm responding to something at church or, or wherever that might be. And I think the reason that it was so often minimal and sporadic is because it at least for and I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about a ministry I was in or working with or through or or the recipients, but it just seemed like so often when I helped and I, I just I just walked away more with doubt than I did a sense of excitement. Was that what I was supposed to do? It, is it making a difference? Does it make a difference? I, I don't There just wasn't this man, that's exactly where God had me, and that's exactly what I I needed to be doing. And, and praise the Lord, that changed in my life. I, about eight years ago, I got introduced to a, a ministry uh, called Mission Dignity. Y'all have heard that word. I've talked about Mission Dignity a number of times uh, from the, the, the pulpit here, never in a sermonic fashion. Usually it was just kind of an, an announcement. But uh, what Mission Dignity does is they provide significantly for pastors and missionaries, their spouses and their widows, who are in retirement and who are living below the poverty line. Now, there's two key words there. Retirement, okay, they're, so they're, they're 67 or older before they can even apply to a Mission Dignity. And they have to have, another requirement is they have to have served 20 years in full-time ministry. So for the most part, these are people who've given their lives to the ministry. The other operative word is they're living below the poverty line. Now, that's not a subjective number. That's not a subjective line. This isn't they've fallen on hard times. They had a big bill and they can't meet it. These are people who, through the entire course of a year... Their total income, their, everything, all their resources coming in does not reach $19,000. That's in 2023, $19,000 for a couple. It would be a different number for a family. But for a couple, uh, that, that's the poverty line. And so if that describes them, if, if that's them, then they have somewhere they can go. They, they, ha, they have mission dignity that they can apply to. It is... Uh, it's very, uh, how do you, it's strict? strict, uh, it's very detailed, it's very held accountable. Uh, I had a, a couple of years where I, I was on a board where I kind of oversaw some of the things they were doing and whatnot. And I'll be honest with you folks, I was always a little bit surprised at who got turned down. And they would get turned down for a very simple reason. They had too much and I guarantee you, I promise you, there's not a person in this room, not anybody watching online, that would look at what they had and say they had too much. But they they were a little bit over the threshold somewhere. Now, while that was kind of surprising to me that that happened, wow, what a level of confidence I had in where the money was going that these are people in desperate straits. And so they—they uh, they, when they're approved, and th- th- I love Mission Dignity, they really have a, have a mindset of growing. Not Most people are not looking at how do we give more and more money out. Uh, when I was looking at this, oh gosh, I, don't, I mean, again, it would be five or six years ago that I was a, involved in some of the inner workings of this, I think we had 700 recipients. I think today they're over 1,200 recipients. So they're out there saying, hey, if you need us, call. If you need us, you, you need to apply. And so when they, when they get accepted with Mission Dignity, then Mission Dignity will send them a, a significant uh, payment each month for two years. And when I say significant, I don't know the exact number right now, but it, it's over several hundreds of dollars a month that they will help. It's, it's significant help. And then at the end of two years, they reevaluate. They see what things are, and, uh, and then they'll renew. In most cases, they do renew, but a, a, you know they stay with it. There, there's an accountability there for where the money is going, how it's being used, and, and, what, it's, and what it's doing. Now, we might ask, well, why, why are these... Why are these pastors living in poverty or these missionaries or, or their widows? Well, you know, you've, folks, you got a, a good number of churches in America that are very small, right? So a small number of people collect a smaller amount of money. And maybe when you add to that, in some of these churches, they're living in an economically depressed area. I, I got to know personally a recipient of mission dignity lives here in Chesterfield, and his ministry uh, through the eighties, the nineties, into the two thousands was uh, he was pastoring churches on Indian reservations in uh, in Arizona and New Mexico, and so they were they were small churches with a very impoverished people, and so his salary was, was a very low salary. He probably was living right at or above poverty most of his life there. Now, the big thing that helped him, a lot of these small churches, I imagine some of us have been in these churches. You, you have a parsonage, right? And so you give that pastor, you can't give him a ton of money, but you, you've, you've got this home for him. And, I mean, a home is a big deal, right? When that's provided for. I mean, for most of us, a home makes up 30%, 40% of our, of our total budget. So that's a big thing to provide a, a home. Well, okay, so what happens then when you retire? All of a sudden, you got no home. I mean, for most of us, our homes, that's... That's it. That's the big investment that we have—a a home. That—that's our biggest security. And so they hit sixty-seven. They hit seventy. They've—they've they've, now that now they have no income. They have social security, right? Guess what? That social security is—it's based on a very small salary they received their entire lives. And so now they have little to no income, they have no home, and then, you know, just like anything for people living in their late 60s, 70s, you know, you have a health event, you have something, and all of a sudden, you've you've got nothing and you're, you're in real trouble. There's a variety of things that are going on there. The big thing I'm trying to communicate, there are, there are folks living in poverty. And it's not because they mismanaged money. It's not because they used it for the, the wrong things. So you don't have to wonder uh, about where it's going or, or the what and the why of that. They, these folks gave their lives to serving in the Lord. And, and for them, it did not provide much of an income. I, I find that very humbling. Because I get to work here at the Heights. These folks have the, and and this is very personal to me. It's why I'm taking time today to talk about it. They have the same call of God on their lives that I have. But as I followed that call, it it brought me to this opportunity. For them, it led them to a different, just as a profound, just as great a ministry. But it was a different opportunity where there's not going to be much of a salary that's going to be involved in that. And, uh, you know, as I think about them, it reminds me, and I don't don't know if I say this, thank you, thank you for how you take care uh, of me, how you take care of our pastoral staff. Uh, But by my bad decisions, I don't have to fear approaching uh, retirement and thinking about living in poverty. But for those that, because they followed God, because they served in those places and are looking at that, there's a, a, a ministry that said, hey, we, we need to come alongside these folks and make sure they don't have to finish the course like that. And that's Mission Dignity. You know, another kind of cool thing about Mission Dignity, there was a group of folks, I don't know how long ago, 10, 15 plus years ago, so excited about this ministry, so devoted to to this ministry, they, they came up with this idea. I think it was a group of folks that were well off and had the means to do this. And they built a trust. And what that trust does is it pays all the salaries of the people who work at Mission Dignity, all the office supplies, all the travel expenses. In other words, all the administrative costs. And that's a reality. There's nothing wrong with administrative costs. But this trust pays For All of those costs, meaning that when you and I or we, when we give to Mission Dignity, 100% of what you give goes directly to helping those in need. Now, why am I talking about this today? I'm glad you asked. Uh, November 12 through 14... Uh, that's just uh, about a month from now, uh, November 12, that's a Sunday, Sunday morning, we'll be in here in church, that'll be normal, but that evening and all day Monday and half the day on Tuesday, we will be hosting the SBC of Virginia. Uh, we'll have about 500, 600 churches represented here for, for almost two full days. Uh, it's a great time, uh, we worship, we hear some reports, we do a little bit of business Uh, and you really should come and attend it. I I mean, any time Monday during the day or Tuesday, most of you probably work. There's Monday evening, Sunday evening. As a matter of fact, Sunday evening, our choir... Uh, will be combined with Great Bridge, uh, over near the beach area. Great Bridge Church's choir will have 200 people in the choir and orchestra Sunday night, November 12th. So it's a great time. I encourage you to come and see it and, and partake in it. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of preaching in that, and some of that pre, that's that one of the guest preachers. Uh, during that is a guy by the name of Hans Dilbeck. Hans is the president of GuideStone, one of our Southern Baptist entities, and he, and that is the parent organization over Mission Dignity. And I when I when I heard he was coming here to speak, not to our church, but to our building while, while we're hosting the SBC of Virginia. I thought, well, Hans, if you're going to be here, get here on Saturday and be here Sunday morning. I'd love you to speak to our, our church family. So we'll, we'll have Hans here that day and I'll be standing up here. You know how I'll get up here and I'll start to introduce Hans and, and he'll come up. Wouldn't it be great when he got here that I hand him just a huge check showing him the heart of our church. For God's heart for the poor, and that—that's—that was my idea. That's why I'm talking about this today, and I, I want to give us time to uh, to think about. Hey, what do I want to do? What do I want to contribute to this? So you've got three Sundays to kind of pray and think about that. Three weeks to to pray and think about that. Uh, you can write a check to the Heights Baptist and put in the memo, mission dignity, and you can deposit that in the giving boxes on the way out or send that into the church. Of course, about 80% of us do our giving electronically, and, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna give that with our giving app. You know, if you're like me, I figured out how to do it once and then I never go back. I, you know, I've got recurring giving. But, uh, you know, you can go back in there and it's real super easy. And just do a one-time gift, uh, and if you you'll see budget, but it'll have a drop-down menu, and you'll see mission dignity. You can go in there and click on that, and and just give a a one-time gift. I tell you a, a real blessing for me personally. And again, I explained why I feel kind of uh, bonded with these the folks that need this. But when I read those verses. And I see the kind of heart that God wants us to have. I'm just grateful because about six, seven years ago, Karen and I we made mission dignity a part of what we give to monthly, And uh, we also give to the heights that gives to mission dignity when we do an offering like this. I mean, Karen and I are going to be involved in this, even though we already have our other giving over here monthly. But I, you know now it's not minimal and sporadic; it's planned. it's on purpose. And I I have a great sense of confidence and excitement about where it's going and what it's doing. Mission dignity, I'm thankful for them for they give me that opportunity. But, you know, as I think of those verses, you know, certainly, I mean, what is a person in poverty without without money? So what helps solve the problem? Well, it's it's money. But as I read those verses, I think God wants more than just writing a check and sending it off. S- sending some money. Yeah, yeah, that is the need. But it feels like, it seems like in those verses, God wants even more of an engagement, a concern and a, and a care for the poor that, that goes beyond just money. Now, with Mission Dignity, my opportunity is to send money. But it made me think of how grateful I am for the Heights Baptist and the opportunity that I'm given every single week that we are given every single week you know you and I walk in here on a Sunday morning we sing and we pray and we praise and then we open our Bible and we learn something about about God about Jesus maybe something that I need to respond to that I need to pray about and think and and maybe act on and so and then I close my Bible and you close your Bible and and we go on out the doors and we head off into a new week with the challenge of what do I do with what I just heard how do I act on, on what I just learned? That, that's always. We're not in here for information, right? We're in here to live a changed life. And so I have to figure out how to do that. And what I love about our church, and I'm saying this as an individual, an individual that needs the church just like every one of us as an individual does, I'm thankful I have a church that when I walk out there gives me so many different ways where I can immediately act on what I just learned. Where I can immediately respond in faith. And uh, whether it is taking advantage of something like mission dignity. Or folks, what our church does. And this is not due. It's been going on for years. What we do week in and week out to serve the poor. You know, we we partner with the church uh, down in uh, Petersburg. First Baptist that has a ministry called Backdoor Ministry. We come alongside what they're doing. And we feed the poor every single week down there. We've got God's girls and God's guys that do a lot with the poor. This past uh, Friday, Interstate Hotel on I-95, they fed 130 people. That's very normal. That's what goes on every week. And because they're there every week and able to build those relationships, they've begun Bible studies. And so they're not just handing out food, but they're providing an opportunity to, to feed and to serve spiritually. Um, another church, I think you saw this on our our big serving day back in, when was it, July, Uh, Beacon Church uh, in Hopewell. Folks, that church is drawing national attention uh, for the way they are ministering to, serving, and reaching uh, the homeless. It, It is really a phenomenal ministry uh, that they have, so that's the work they're doing, and we've just jumped on board, and we send the Calvary because that's what we have here at the Heights. We have the Calvary. We got bodies. We can send you people, and uh, you know, when a lot of these churches that we're helping are a lot, lot smaller than us, so what do we bring? We bring the Calvary, and uh, a lot of us have, have uh, been able to go down there and come alongside what's going on at, at Beacon. You know, folks, as you think of those verses. Whether it's mission, dignity, or one of these, every one of us needs to be thinking, hey, what am I doing? What am I doing to join the heart of God and, and to care for the poor? And I know what's easy and natural. I know what I did do something when the church tells me to throw something at it and say, okay, I, I, did, my, I did my part. But I think if you'll really study that, God wants more than an event to happen, He wants more than just some money. To be thrown at something. He wants wants an engagement of the heart. And an engagement with our lives. Man I hope you'll join your church family. In thinking about how you serve the poor. And today by the way in 2024. Can you believe it's already time to start saying in 2024. We are going to have a Sunday. Where we talk about some of the local ways that we engage with serving the poor. But today, I I hope you're challenged, encouraged, and thinking about how you can join Karen and I in doing something special uh, for Mission Dignity and being able to present that uh, to a person uh, on that Sunday, November 12th. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I do pray that each of us, our heart and our mind, is open to you. And we're thinking about what we've heard, what you've said, what you've showed us in your word, and we think about how we apply it. And, Father, I pray that uh, we act out of a love for you and we act out of wanting to have a heart that is like your heart. And, Father, I I pray we really can really see on November 12th when we hand that check, we can really see the heart of our church and and what we're about. And I pray, God, even more than the people it will serve and help, I, I pray it blesses you. I pray when you look down at our gathering, you see a whole bunch of people who really just want to be like you. And Lord, guide us. If is this, is this one of the ways we can jump on and do right here and right now? We ask for your help and your guidance in this, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've made us so rich in you. I, I am rich in eternal life. I am rich in God. Those are words you use in describing my eternity. And God, as we think much on the richness that we have in you, may we think on what we can do in the physical areas for the needs that are around us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.